Hey, hey, thanks for joining me on the Meg Ellison Show. My guest this morning, continuing our conversation, child protection expert, Maureen Flatley, rejoins me on the show. Good morning. Thanks for holding over during the break, Maureen. My pleasure. I appreciate it. So I wanted to, uh, in, in continuing our conversation, obviously we'd like to find a solution, which I think we'll get to that point in a moment, or at least find a uh, some solutions that perhaps actually move the ball forward. Um, do you think, and, and I mean, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there, and, you know, some of the things that are running through my head as we're having this conversation about, um, well, child sex trafficking uh, and, and even some of what the questions that uh, the, the movie Sound of Freedom brought up is who indeed is involved in this and whether or not perhaps there are those in Washington, D.C. that don't want the problem to be resolved because they themselves might be implicated in some of this activity. Mm-hmm. Well... One thing I learned as an FBI agent's kid is that you never know. And so one of the reasons that we need to to detach this conversation from political posturing and get some really objective, well-trained uh, law enforcement in the room is that we, we just don't know. And, you know, if you look at this, and, and I'm... I have to be bipartisan in my work, and there are good people on both sides of the aisle. Um, There are probably some bad people on both sides of the aisle. But at the end of the day, if we're insisting that cyber tips be reported, which we are, but then we're not conveniently not doing anything to have objective third parties examine that information, well, that would be the perfect cover-up, wouldn't it? And so at the end of the day, we have a, a body of information that literally, Meg, remains unexamined by anybody. If you look at the, the cyber tips in a way, they just kind of, a lot of them go into a black hole. But I, I would say also, let's think about this from another point of view. I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I definitely think that there could be elements of that in this. But at the same time, we just don't know. And when I think about how the internet has sort of unfolded over the time that I've worked on these issues, so the internet really wasn't that much of a thing involving kids, let's say 30 years ago, um, when child, what we now call child sexual abuse material, what was called child pornography, was mostly transmitted through the mail Nobody talked about suing the post office. They just hired more postal inspectors. And quite frankly, it's a pretty good system. It worked really well. But as the Internet has allowed for the proliferation of it, um, you know, we don't – it's almost like saying we should be suing a highway for car crashes. You know, there are a lot of factors that go into this. But anyway, my point, to your point, is that until we get to the point where we have some objective – real, independent, uh, and this would be the perfect job for Congress, I might add, because that's how we got organized crime uh, under control in the 50s and 60s. Um, We're never going to get to the bottom of this. And frankly, I think it's, it's fair to say that while 
back in the old days, a lot of this stuff was produced in a somewhat primitive way and consumed by, you know, the odd awful person in their basement. There is a lot of international activity. One of the things that most people don't realize is if you look at those um, 32 million cyber tips, the vast majority of them, probably about 94%, don't involve activity in the U.S. So we don't even really have the ability to control what does or doesn't happen with that. And some countries would be the first to admit that they don't have the, res the resources to look at it themselves. So if we're, if we're going to get serious about this and separate fact from fiction, we have to somehow get our arms around it and make the investment in a meaningful law enforcement response. I don't, I mean, you know, the people that criticize the tech companies turn around and say they want the tech companies to be the police. I would say, and I'm, you know, relatively sympathetic to the position, the awkward position the tech companies have been put in. I would say, if you think the tech companies are the problem, they're the last people that should be policing this, okay? If you really want an objective point of view. But we're not even at the point where we can have a serious conversation about objective law enforcement. I would bet you, I've never been to Wisconsin, but I have a lot of friends up there, and I um, know there are a lot of amazing people in, in your community, but I would bet you that you look at a local municipal police department, you look at a local sheriff's department, you look at the Wisconsin State Police, and they know how much more work they could do if they had the tools and they had the resources. And that's, they're really on the front lines of all this. So we can't even begin to figure out what is fact, what is fiction, without having more objective law enforcement in the room. And um, so, you know, that's kind of my take on that. Well, I it it, it actually just makes me, well, I guess, inspires me or provokes me, whatever the word is, encourages me to reach out to our uh, law enforcement leaders here and, you know, have continue this conversation with one of them, on, you know, on air and, and talk about, what specifically uh, they are doing or what they are seeing in our local communities, because it's a, yeah. it's it's really a it's a great point. Is that I mean we often talk on this show about how important it is to be engaged and involved at the local level because that's where we have in our communities that's where we have the most uh, influence and and so this this would you know this is another example of at least here in Wisconsin, here in our communities, if this type of activity is going on, what specifically our law enforcement is doing to combat it, and if they are receiving, if they have the resources necessary to effectively combat it. Well, I mean, I think in a, in a very real way, I just, uh, and I apologize, I should have made this connection at the beginning of our conversation, but the entire law enforcement training presence on this issue is Fox Valley Technical College in Appleton, Wisconsin. And so in a very real way, Wisconsin is the is ground zero for the great training. And, you know, I live in a little town, about 3,000 people way out in the country, uh, about 30 miles north of Boston. And I love our police chief. He is He's the, he's the embodiment of what community policing should really be. And we talk all the time about how 
And our town is kind of a resort town. It's a beach community in the summer. And so we might get 70,000 people from all over the world in our town on a day, any given day in the summer. But this is one of those issues that can happen anywhere. And so the little agencies are sometimes more aggressive and effective than the big ones because everybody just sort of expects the big ones to have all the money and have all the training. But, you know, when I look at, and I have Google Alerts set up for a million things, when I look at some of the big cases that get broken, they are broken down by young, aggressive local sheriffs, local municipal police officers who are vigilant, who have a passion for this and who care about kids. And so, you know, some people say, well, we can't arrest this problem away. Well, we can't sue it away either. And that's what a lot of people in Washington are talking about. So I think that we really have to look at the work that has been done and look at what what else needs to be done. I know from tracking these issues for years that not enough money is being spent in the right places. And, you know, training, training, training is absolutely essential. And so I would say that in writing your own backyard, those Internet Crimes Against Children Task Forces, Meg, are doing some amazing work. So it's not all bad news, but what needs to happen now is it's not enough to talk about it. We need to be putting these guys in jail because we know that in jail they can't hurt kids. And this nonsense that, you know, Gavin Newsom's brilliant idea to let them back out of jail after they go to jail, well, that's not going to solve the problem either. So when we look at the way that this, that, that this issue has become so polarized, um, it's not helping kids, I can tell you that right now. And um, there are really no solutions, and we need to hear a lot more from law enforcement about what they need. And... Um, so go Wisconsin, because and I, my recollection is Senator Cole uh, had a lot to do with positioning that program at Fox Valley, and I hear nothing but good things about it. And so that's the kind of thing we need to be doing more of. Well, and I guess I'll just say prosecutors are also a significant part of that. And I'm thinking of oh, one yeah. in particular who ran for uh, Republican Eric Toney, uh, who's out of the Fond du Lac area that's, well, mm -hmm. somewhat near the uh, Fox Valley area, and uh, he'd be probably be a great guest to, to continue this conversation. So that's... I would imagine. Yes. Well, yeah. uh, you know, I guess other than, and, and I will have to wrap things up because I'm coming up towards the top of the hour, but uh, do you want to... I, I mean, I guess I feel as if someone in our listening audience has had this person's uh, name running through their head during this conversation and the whole Jeffrey Epstein narrative mm -hmm. that has been in, you know, is, is mm -hmm. in the consciousness of many people throughout mm -hmm. the country for a long time. And, you know, as you said, mm -hmm. a lot of these crimes don't happen in the United States. And that mm -hmm. this is a this is an example of the. Uh, well, and, and how many American citizens were involved in some sort of crime against children uh, with regard to the whole Jeffrey Epstein case, which, you know, I don't know if we'll ever know the truth about any of it. I mean, and I don't know if those who are who were part of this Jeffrey Epstein ring, sex ring, will mm -hmm. ever be unveiled. But, I mean, it's certainly 
a topic I think yeah. that comes up a lot. Ironically, Meg, and I know we're short on time, but I was in my local market, the Crosby's Market in Manchester, Massachusetts, a few years ago, and who should I run into but Julianne Maxwell. She lived in the town next to ours for a period of time before she was apprehended. And this is how I feel about Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein. I think it is preposterous to think that he committed suicide in jail oh, because right. they just happened to turn off the surveillance cameras and forget to check on him. And I also think that who, whomever was involved with that, let the chips fall where they may. I am completely bipartisan in holding people accountable to whatever was going on there. But that's a good example of what I've been talking about. So you sort of have this one set of standard for the, you know, the rich guys and the connected people, and then you have another set of standards for everybody else. And if I could just leave your listeners with three simple ideas yes. that are low impact on the taxpayer that have, that are common sense approaches, we need to, number one, Enforce the PROTECT Act, its existing law. Money hasn't even been distributed to law enforcement in certain cases. That's number one. Number two, support the Invest in Child Safety Act, which is a bipartisan bill in Congress that would modernize PROTECT, would provide more resources for every part of the system. So we can't just fund the prosecutors because that would be like, you know, producing half a law and order episode. You need those investigators but we need them to be trained, we need them to be expert, we need them to investigate, we need to prosecute, and then we need to have something that's sensitive to the lives of the victims. So those are two things that kind of require government involvement. But the third thing, and this is really where your conversation earlier about what can the tech companies do, is we are working very aggressively with the tech companies to develop what I call a digital driver's education program. You don't let your kid get behind the wheel of a car without driver's ed. And I think that, and I use myself, I'm 75 years old, I've got kids, I've got grandchildren, I can barely turn on my laptop. We really need to help society more broadly understand how to use technology constructively and how to, and how to avoid the pitfalls of it. And that's not something that we need the government to tell us how to do. We can all figure that out and, and promote those materials. There's a wonderful bill that was passed in Florida that's a digital education program in schools. We have driver's ed in schools. Why not digital education in school? So, I mean, those are my, that's my three-point plan. That's what I'm going to focus on right now because I feel like, to your point, the tech companies have a lot of resources, have a lot of knowledge, and have a lot of will that we really haven't allowed them to express because we've been so busy yelling at them. Um, and also, we don't need to pass a million new laws. If we have a good one on the books that can be tuned up a little bit and put into full motion as opposed to just sort of passing it and then forgetting about it. Well, Maureen, thank you so much for joining me. If our listeners would like, to, well, our listeners would like to learn more about you, where can they go to learn more about your work or read? I know you had a recently published article in the National Review, The Right Way to Protect mm -hmm. Children Online. What are okay. some other, I mean, is, is there a, a website? I presume you have well, I would love it if they media. would support Stop Child Predators, which is a group that I work with. Um, they have a great website, and it's stopchildpredators.org. And um, the work that they're doing is really 
what I'm promoting and, and we're working together. So I think that that would be a great way for them to support some common sense, um, not, not government overreach, but simply attacking the real problems. And, of course, I'd love to come back and do the show anytime. All I'm right. To you. you read my mind. Okay, so, yes, yeah. uh, you're more than welcome anytime. So stay in touch, Maureen. Maureen Flatley, again, child protection expert. Thank you so much for your time this morning. I sincerely appreciate it. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Hey, thank you so much, Meg. I've enjoyed it so much. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Perfect. I got to go now. It's almost on the cusp of the news break at 11 o'clock. Look forward to chatting with you again tomorrow. Have a great day. God bless. Enjoy this warm day.